Well, in the book of Titus, chapter 3, we read, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cease, or excuse me, to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. Now, I like how when Paul writes to Titus, he says, let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. It's not always natural for us. And what we find is, we think about good works specifically, we find that New Testament Scripture mentions that over and over and over again. And so we look today at what it means to do good, what Scripture says about why we should do good. Uh, Paul told Titus that so it could, we could handle cases of urgent needs, but also so that the people of God, the children of God, would not live lives that are unfruitful. So it's easy to reason that doing good works is an essential part of bearing good fruit. Now in Hebrews chapter 10, we also see uh, good works mentioned by the author of this book. And what's interesting here is the manner in which it's done. Because it is, as you can tell by the name, it's a Hebrew audience, the recipient of this letter. And so it is done with a lot of, uh, a lot of Old Testament or, or Jewish history involved. But it reminds us of the New Covenant and what doing good has to do with the New Covenant. So let's look at Hebrews 10, beginning with verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus... By a, brand, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body and since we have a great priest over the house of God let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up in meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, we have to look at, kind of break this part down here. Because there's a lot of language that alludes to Jewish custom, Jewish law, Jewish history. And I love how it says, though, that we have confidence to enter the most holy place. Now, who could do that under Jewish law? It was only the high priest. Well, the high priest was replaced once and for all by the great high priest, right church? By Jesus Christ. And so I love how it says that we can, we can go to the throne of God confidently. 
by a new living way open for us through the curtain. And so he's so the writer here is talking about the new covenant. Genesis to Malachi was all written under the old covenant. The New Testament is written for us under the new covenant. And when did this new covenant start? It started when the blood of Jesus was shed on the cross. And in that moment, some of you may remember, something happened. The earth shook, right? And the temple, at the temple, the curtain, or the veil as it's sometimes called, was torn in half. Okay, this isn't like tearing a piece of paper. Okay, that's a big deal. You, you, nothing, you know, that was an act of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. That was an act of God Almighty right there. When that veil was torn in two. As if to say, what's beyond the, ba- the veil, which was that most holy place that only the high priest could go, and even then only one day a year, that that is now done away with. That is obsolete. Now that the veil has been torn in two, the curtain has been ripped in half, that the most holy place that was reserved only for the high priest is now open to all who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We talked last week about where it all starts. It starts with our faith. If we don't have faith... If we were to flip over to Hebrews 11 verse 1, it defines faith as believing in what you cannot see. So our, our Christian values, our Christian beliefs, the Christian religion all begins with simply by having faith that God is real and that Jesus is His Son that Jesus shed His blood on the cross to cover all of our sins. And that's the gospel right there. That is the good news. And so that is where it starts. And so the writer of Hebrews now is saying that we now have that confidence because there's a new way, a living way, open for us through that curtain that is His body. We have celebrated His body as we took the Lord's Supper this morning. We celebrated His body that was sacrificed, His shed blood. And so, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance. I love the idea that Scripture says it's okay for you to be assured that your faith is going to result in something. That your faith results in eternal life in a relationship with God through Jesus. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. And then in verse 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And why good deeds? Because those good deeds are a result of our faith. We're going to unpack that a little further in just a moment when we get to the book of James. But in thinking about good deeds, 
The list can go on and on about good deeds. One example I recall is uh, that, that made an impression on me was in, in the recent days I saw on social media, and some of you may have seen this too, a Hollywood actress was talking about her father. And she told a, a story when she was a girl, and she and her father were going to the circus together. And they were standing in line to buy their tickets to get in to see the circus. And while they were standing in line, she noticed the family in front of them. The family had like five or six children. Mom and Dad, she said they weren't wearing nice clothes, but they were all very neat. And she talked about how it made an impression on them that all those children, and they were so well behaved. They seemed like such a nice family. And so then that family gets up to the ticket window right in front of her and her father. And uh, the, the father asked for the number of tickets that they needed, several of course. And then the person in the ticket window told him how much it was. And she said you could see his face just drop. And then he leaned in closer to the window and said, I'm sorry, can you say that again? And it was obvious that it was an amount of money that he was not prepared to pay. And she said her father reached in his pocket, pulled out a $20 bill, and tapped the gentleman on the shoulder and said, Excuse me, sir, I think you dropped this. And the guy looked at her father and knowing that he didn't drop that, he didn't have that money when he arrived there at the circus that evening. But she said her dad looked up at the man and nodded his head as if to say, please, just go ahead and take it. And so the man took the money, was able to get his family into the circus. And she and her dad went to the car and then went home that night. Because by paying, helping the other family get into the circus, they themselves, her dad, did not have the money to pay their entry fee. And she said, we missed the circus that night. She said, but I would not have given anything in the world to have not witnessed what I saw my father do. And of course, what she had seen is someone who said, we're going to make a sacrifice so that somebody else can receive a blessing. Now, some of you, a whole bunch of you, dipped into your pockets this week so that others could receive a blessing. And I thank you for that. May God bless you. We know that filling these bags is more expensive than it was two or three years ago, right? Yeah, prices have gone up. Praise God that He blesses us enough that we get to do this. And may every family that walks in this door this coming Saturday 
receive the blessing that we intend for them to receive. Blessed by the extra of other people. Just as John talks about standing by the Jordan in Luke 3. If you got a little extra, give it to somebody else. It's John's way of saying, y'all, do some good. Do some good. This past Friday morning, yeah, well, it's been a long week. It was just two days ago. Uh, but thankful, I'm thankful for those of you that prepared food, that came at 9 o'clock to pull that pork, that were here to serve those veterans, that were here to clean up afterward. Those veterans, and so you see some of those familiar faces every year. And they come up to you and they say, thank you so much for doing this. It's a fairly simple meal. But they appreciate it so much. And some of them would say, hey, this is the only time we get to see some of our fellow veterans is on this day and at this meal. And I'm thankful that we are a body of believers who is able to serve them in that way. As we read from James chapter 2, we are reminded of why it's important that we do good. James 2, beginning with verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. James acknowledging what we talked about last week, that it all starts with faith. But then James says, faith has to be more than just believing. That your faith should bring you to a place where you want to do good for other people. Verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness as he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. 
As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. James is saying, if you've got faith, real faith, it's going to show by what you do for others. He's not mincing words there. If you've read James' letter, you know that he's pretty good at being straightforward. And so James is telling us that yes, you have to have faith. There is no doubt about that. Now some have said, well, I have a problem with that. It's almost like salvation by works. No. I think James would tell you, salvation is by faith. But, if you are somebody who truly believes, if you've really had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus, then it's going to create at least enough love in your heart that you're going to do something. It's a church. We are compelled over and over again in New Testament Scripture to be people who do good. And so let us do good. And let us know why we are doing good. We are doing good because of our faith. Wasn't that many weeks ago, I don't know, the weeks weeks turn into months, but that I remember talking about how, you know, left to my own devices, I'm going to take care of me. That's who I am. Some of you might naturally be more loving and more giving toward others. But if you take Jesus Christ out of the equation of my life, I have a feeling that it's going to lead me to be more self-centered and more focused on self. But when you add Jesus to my life, that's the element that brings the love for others. That's the element that makes me want to say, I can do with less so that someone else can have something, even a little something. That's the element that says, I, like many of you, are willing to dip into my pocket for the sake of others. Faith without deeds is dead. And so, that brings us toward a conclusion of this morning's message. We're in 1 John 3.18. John says, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Someone told me years ago that people will not always remember what you say, but they will remember how you made them feel. Well, if ever there's a verse of Holy Scripture that reinforces that, it's 1 John 3.18. Addressing us as dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Why? Because unfortunately, talk can be seen as kind of cheap. 
we have to back up that those words that we say that we love others. John's reminding us to back it up with actions. Let's not really say that we love each other. Let us show the truth of our love by our actions. Church family, we are compelled to do good. The fall, as I mentioned to my class this morning, is a busy time for us. Starts back in August and our events will go through... uh, I guess the second Sunday night in December is traditionally our our Christmas dinner gathering. And in that, there's lots of opportunities to serve one another. There are lots of opportunities to serve people outside of these walls. I'm grateful for this body and for what we do. But as much as we do, we can do more. I'm looking forward to this Saturday. I'm looking forward to us opening our doors to people in the community and some of the clothing that you've donated, that people outside of this body have donated, that people receive a blessing, that the folks that are able to come here uh, will have a bag with their name on it. They're able to take home and have a Thanksgiving meal that they might not have been able to have. But here's the thing. Our programs, our events, that's not the end-all be-all. It's a reminder that we pull together and we do good. And it's like Paul told Titus. So it gets us in the habit. It helps us learn to do good. Doing good is not a seasonal thing. It's not an August to December or Thanksgiving and Christmas kind of thing. Our being compelled to do good is something that should be for us, as children of the one true God, a way of life. And may God help us to be people who do good. Not seasonally or when there's a vent put on by our church family but in our everyday lives. That He will give us a lens to see others the way He sees them. No matter what they've done, no matter where they've been, no matter what decisions have been made in the past, that every person is made in the image of God. Every soul is precious. And may we do good for all of them. If you are here this morning and you have not yet put on Christ in baptism, we give you the opportunity to be obedient in your faith and to once and for all as we sing this song of invitation in just a moment to walk the aisle and to say that yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If you're with us today and you're struggling with something and you could just appreciate the prayers of this body, then we offer the invitation for that reason as well. Let's stand together and sing. Hey. A clean heart.